0: you're listening to in it together a podcast curated by the ride out lyme health and wellness team i'm brandy dean founder and president of ride out lyme and our mission is raising funds to help those impacted by lyme and other tick-borne diseases pay for their treatments this in it together podcast is an offering not just for those with lyme disease but for anyone struggling in any way and looking for hope and inspiration join us for heartfelt conversations about what gets us through as we walk our journeys No matter where you are or what your situation is, our team here at Ride Out Lime want you to know that we are right there with you, behind you all the way.
1: Jake Mayers, welcome to the In It Together podcast. Long awaited. So excited you're here. So yep. you are a chronic illness empowerment coach. How do you describe? I usually it? don't put the down empowerment
2: down. word in there, but I'm not going to fight you on it because I love that. But yeah, I'm a chronic. I'm a chronic illness coach or a transformational coach that focuses on chronic illness.
1: Awesome. Well, you definitely are an empowering person and quite a cheerleader and hype man, and love your energy and creativity that you bring to your work and the social media world and love seeing the drumming and dance videos too just a multifaceted person so excited excited to dive into your story today
2: I'm so excited and like before we even started recording we were talking about so much good stuff that we had to be like okay let's hit the pause let's make sure we get this tracked you know
1: (laughs) absolutely I I feel like the best conversations always happen when you're not recording and you go oh gosh we, we should be recording these offline conversations
2: Oh, for sure. But I'm grateful to be here and like have this space to have deeper, more meaningful conversations about chronic illness. I think this podcast, Ride Out Lime, a lot of the stuff you seem to be involved with is just like the exact type of information that I wish I had had like 10, 15 years ago when I was just getting diagnosed at the beginning of my journey. I think this sort of stuff could have changed everything. So this is just a super valuable resource and I'm grateful to be part of it.
1: Thank you. Well, let's start there. Actually, what do you wish you had known ten years ago?
2: Rest is success. Uh, I'll start there. That's a big one. I have always been such an active, high energy, type A go getter. Have always put my energy into snowboarding, drumming. You know, I think so many of us. With chronic illness, I almost feel like chronic illness targets really active people because it's like if we didn't have that type of grit and perseverance, we wouldn't even make it through. But pretty much all of my clients and everyone who I talk to has a past of like playing sports or like working an exciting job or traveling and then illness robs you of it, Right. And when you're that type of person, resting is not easy and not something you want to do. I'm sure we'll get into so many different things throughout this podcast and like the healing journey. That alone is so big, just like learn to embrace rest and realize sometimes doing less is more. And also that just because you're doing less doesn't mean you're any less worthy, right? Or if you're a little inactive in the traditional sense of it, if that's what you need to progress your healing, then that's what matters, you know? So that's one of many things I wish I had known earlier on.
1: How did you learn to embrace rest as success? Was it an epiphany? Did, did it take you forever? Like, what was that process like, Jake?
2: I think it was like pulling teeth. Um, <laughs> like, I could think of really pivotal moments that are equivalent to an epiphany, but I think it was a series of lots of small moments. And of course, I didn't realize a lot of this at the time that it was happening. But now when I look back, I realized that I had actually began cultivating, I guess you could call it mindfulness, but basically like the ability to be present, almost in a flow state, just in the present moment. At the beginning of my journey, when I failed kindergarten, as is before I even got sick, and I turned to outlets like drumming, and I didn't realize this, but like drumming is mindfulness. It puts you in a flow state, dancing for you or performing or acting, you know, it's like it's a flow state, your mind, you're just completely in it. And I think when I was like really sick and struggling and fighting against it, I was slowly getting introduced to like activities that were mindful. For instance, like I joined, I was living in LA and I joined like a run club and Thursday nights before the run, there was like a one minute meditation that the leader kind of brought us into where we would just like tap into our bodies and drop the ego and I wasn't meditating at the time. I didn't know know I was practicing mindfulness, quote unquote, but I was like, I like this. And it gives me a moment to like hit the pause on all the constant worrying, constant overwhelm, and like needing to control something and just exist. And I just, I crave that. Like I was like, whatever this is, I want more of it. So I started going to Run Club more. And then, you know, I started, that led to some Tai Chi classes and I started reading, and this was during a two year period where a lot of it was self discovery. Like, I was fortunate enough to work with incredible practitioners and therapists and like healers. But in terms of the mindset part and learning to be present and embrace rest, that was a lot on me just self discovery, reading books, listening to podcasts, and bit by bit, not only trying it, another thing I had is celebrating it, right? Like if I go, instead of going out and meeting a bunch of people or instead of going out and playing drums, another hour in bed or like an extra hour to make a nice organic meal. I had to not only do that, but then celebrate that in order to create the momentum and keep it going. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Have you had a similar experience in terms of like embracing rest?
1: Yeah, it was pulling teeth for me because I was super go, go, go. I literally, I was telling another friend in this world the other day about how in high school I would literally be running between meetings. Like in addition to going to classes, I'd be literally eating a gluten-free sandwich while sprinting up the stairs. Like running late to an AP class from being president of a meeting, I was yeah. nuts. <laughs> like it was not okay. And you're
2: like I'm living my best life.
1: <laughs> yeah. no, literally, I was like I'm thriving and living my best life. Oh, never mind that I'm literally killing myself. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was a passionate route to burnout. <laughs>
2: That's a beautiful saying right there. Yeah, I remember taking pride in quote-unquote, running errands. Like, I would run from right Aid to my house to get paper towels and be like, this is more efficient, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, we're right there on the same page. So how did it happen for you, then? What were some things that contributed to embracing rust?
1: One was needing to. Yeah, because before, I actually physically couldn't anymore. I had some adults warn me, oh, Folks like you end up burned out in their 40s, CEOs burned out, very Mm -hmm. unhappy and sick. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna be a CEO and it's gonna be great. And we're gonna, it's gonna, I'm not gonna burn out. It's because I love what I do. And they went, no, 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 like you really need to slow down. I went, that's that's not a thing. I don't believe in that. And I'm actually really grateful that Lyme forced me to slow down younger because. By hitting that wall of, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can barely move or get out of bed or take care of mine. not in a depressed sense. I mean, that's very valid too. It's just, that's not what I was experiencing. I was physically Fat- fatigued Fatig- to yeah. the point yeah. of, oh my gosh, how do I move? And as much as I hated it at the time, I'm super grateful it happened young mm-hmm. in my teens and twenties because it helped me relearn and retrain myself so that I can have such a more sustainable and joyful and embodied and intuitive experience for the rest of my life, which God willing will hopefully be several decades or more than several. Right. So.
2: Yes, Patricia. I love this. I'm just, I'm taking notes because like we got to, we got to talk about some of this stuff because okay, now I'm overwhelmed. You just, you put out so much good stuff. Okay. Just kind of side note. I almost feel to some extent since COVID and quarantine has happened, it's like, Almost everybody in the world has gotten a taste of what it's like not to be able to just go out and do whatever you want, but to have to do certain things for your health and certain restrictions and do what you need and confront yourself, like spend more time by yourself. Illness kind of hits you and it isolates you. For many people in life, they don't go through an experience like that unless there's a major trauma. And for most people in life, those sort of traumas typically don't happen until way later in life. Or, you know, and there's plenty of people that live their lives and never have to confront this sort of stuff. But your prime example of this, like when you are confronted with adversity like this and struggle, it can bring you down or you can make the decision to learn from it and feel empowered by it and to strengthen your ability to live a fulfilling life. Like you said, to relearn how to experience joy, to be intuitive, to be in your body, like feel embodiment. Like those are not concepts that, your average person our age has to wrestle with unless you're in this chronic illness world. And if you're in this world, it's something you think about all the time. Like all you want to do is just wake up and have a day where you can feel joy throughout the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to hear you say it's grateful. I mean, there's a lot of people that you and I connect with and in this space of chronic illness, but I find it like rare to come across people like us that are like, yeah, I'm grateful this has happened. I wouldn't trade this for anything. And I truly believe that. And it sounds, you feel the same too.
1: I want to honor too, because I'm right there with you. And I also want to hold space that if someone doesn't feel that way, that's okay. It's totally valid to not feel that way because I think it can be so toxic and a toxic positivity way to go. Oh, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be grateful for your trauma, your pain. It's like If that's not where you are, (laughs) that's okay.
2: Yeah, and we weren't there. I was not there for the longest time. I mean, for me, I think it was like three or four, I mean, it was nine years before I even got diagnosed, and then it was probably three or four years having been diagnosed, constantly treating, before I even told anybody. I wouldn't even share it with anybody and kept it hidden, you know? And now, like, I coach people through that process of being able to confidently and unapologetically share this experience, but in a much less just shorter time frame, but yeah, it took me a long time. I was not always this way. And so I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's so crucial. And if you're out there listening to this and you don't feel grateful for your chronic illness and you're in misery, that's okay. Right? Like the first step to getting to a place where you are grateful is just allowing all those feelings to happen and accepting them and saying, you know what? This sucks. This is shit. Period. Like that is okay to have that experience.
1: I'm so intrigued by the people who are grateful for pain, like they're in the thick of it. And they're like, I'm so grateful of what this teaches me because that's hardcore. That's radical stuff. I'm not quite there. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I like the person I've become and how transformed I am and how much more richly I experience the aliveness of life. And with that being said, my life is much easier today than it was years ago when I was fighting for a diagnosis or in the thick of when symptoms were hitting me the hardest.
2: Yeah. You just said, You transform into into a person that enjoys the richness of experiencing life. That's beautiful, by the way. Like, you're definitely a writer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jake. Thank you. (laughs) It's like I set you up to just send these encouraging notes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But one of the things that we've talked about um, before this episode is kind of related to that, of, like, the person you become through this, your sense of identity, like, I mean it does build off of that the whole piece of being super active and then moving to somebody who's inactive because illness has stripped you of a lot of your ability to do things your identity definitely takes a hit and I think so many of us and I was like this for so long and many of the clients that come to me just when they're in that space just like want to get back to life before that like want nothing more than can it just go back to the way it was like will it ever go back to the way it was like Will I ever be able to do X, Y, Z, right? Or will I ever get well? And I think, like, a crucial part of this journey is grieving your old self. And that has to happen in order to create a new identity and a new normal that lives with this, not against it. And that creates a world where you are rich in terms of experiencing life, you know?
1: Yeah. Let's talk about grieving your old life because that's such an important part. Can you talk more about that?
2: Yeah, I'm going to start then with like what it's not, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around grief that kind of set us up for failure and make it just too difficult. Like, so the first couple things I want to mention that grief is not, is that it's not ceasing to feel pain. Like just because you grieve your old life doesn't mean it's no longer painful to think about it or remember it, which is tied to it's not forgetting. Just because you grieve your old life doesn't mean you have to forget it and bury all those experiences. And it's not a one time event. We don't do a session and, or you don't see a grief counselor or do journaling. And then all of a sudden you're, you're free of this forever. Every single time you see that photo of you on the basketball court doing rock climbing or that video of your prior life, like it's going to come up. And it's basically in that moment that you have to make the conscious decision to grieve. I'm, it's cool that we're talking about it now too, because I had a moment yesterday. I think yesterday I posted a reel that was like really long and kind of like just showing a bunch of parts of my journey the highs and the lows and when I rewatched it I got really emotional and sad and I had to have one of these moments myself last night where I opened my journal and was like in this moment right now like I know this is painful I remember these things like and I give myself permission to grieve them you know and to move on it's never a one-time event does that resonate Oh,
1: absolutely. I'm in awe of how strong your three grief points were. It's like you had prepared a presentation that was so on point.
2: (laughs) I think about this stuff a lot. I mean, it comes up that comes up with all of my clients. Basically, like I have the worth model. I'm not sure if we'll talk about it or not. um, But part of that, the T in that that worth stands for talk and communicate. And what we do in that work starts with like an external focus of How do you confidently communicate your situation, whether it's to an employer or a doctor or somebody you're considering dating, right? But the biggest benefit that comes from it is like the internal communication what's the story you're telling yourself. And every time we do that work, huge just transformations in terms of grieving and acceptance. I think they're really closely related. And so I do this work all the time with clients and it's amazing and it's just I just see in those calls when we do that, I see like the weight being lifted off and it's just like, oh, like doesn't need to be so heavy, you know?
1: Hmm. Well, since you mentioned it, let's talk about your worth model now.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this. We're teeing each yeah. other up. And this is super exciting too, because I don't know when this is coming out, but on Monday, I'm actually announcing or I'm releasing this as a group program for the first time because I've been coaching people through my worth model for over a year now and getting outstanding results. Especially now that like I could see where people are at six months later, a year later, and that they're sustaining the progress, right? It's just like so cool to watch. But when I ask people for feedback, you know, what was missing, the number one thing is like a group, a group of people who, a community doing this work together. So as of Monday, I'm launching a group program. It's 12 weeks. It's a chronic worth course where we work through this model. So, and just a step back of how I created it, like when I finally transitioned from that point of constant overwhelm, of not feeling in control, of just not really even functioning to like actually thriving, feeling in control of my life, not feeling overwhelmed by any of chronic illness, like, and I began reflecting on, well, how did I get there? I noticed like five clear phases, right? And the W in the word stands for your way to wellness. The first thing is like wellness is something different for everybody. My idea of living a life of wellness is very different than yours, you know, but what stands true across it is that it needs to include more than just treatments and health. Like it needs to include relationships and passion and community and personal growth and finances and career. And all of that needs to come together in a balanced way. So that's your W. That's the way to wellness. That's what everybody wants. In order to get there, we move backwards through that model, W-O-R-T-H. The H stands for hunt, which is, okay, let's start by turning down all the overwhelm, all the fears, all the doubt, and hunting for your true intuition. What do you truly want in life? What brings you purpose, right? What do you need on a daily basis to feel grounded and to be able to not feel overwhelmed and create a routine that provides that foundation for everything? So the hunt phase is like very foundational work. I give people the daily dose, which is the beginning of building a routine that works for them, right? Because once you're clear on what you need, you're tapped into your intuition, you're not run by fear and overwhelm anymore. Well, then it's time to move to talk and communicate what you need in order to make that a reality in your life. So the talk and the communication phase, I kind of already mentioned external communication. It basically gets you to the R phase, which is recommendation. And that the most obvious application of that is with protocols, treatments, doctors, like how do you show up to a doctor's office and communicate in a way that you don't get just any recommendation, right? But you get the one that's right for you. How do you stay calm and determine if it's right for you from a strategic standpoint, not an emotional standpoint, because we know doctor's appointments get so emotional and we get frustrated. So how do you get the right recommendation for you? Those systems and exercises that we do in that phase of the model can apply to other recommendations like work, for instance. How do you show up with your unique abilities that you've uncovered from chronic illness combined with your, your limitations and accommodations that you need to sustain your healing and find work? that fits that let's say we get to that point and we have all of that the oath phase is so important oath or commitment right because I know you and I have been through this like how many times and anyone listening like have you gone to do a treatment and you kind of start to flare and you're like this doesn't feel right so you back off of it and then you go back to that practitioner you're like you know this didn't really work out and they might say like well you didn't really you know commit to it you didn't really do the whole thing now, the oath and commitment phase is not that. It's not committing to one treatment. It's understanding how to cement a commitment to your overall sense of wellness. And that actually often means pulling back from certain commitments and leaning into others, whether it's a recommendation or relationship, learning how to set boundaries and establish your non-negotiables, basically, so you can sustain this progress and create that way to wellness over time. So that is the work model. like. I was so stoked when I reflected on all those phases and it spelled out worth because I'm just like, wow, like this whole experience makes you feel so worthy, you know, we could even add a why to the end for yes, which is like, you've got to say yes to yourself before any of this starts and say yes to doing this work, right? And um, I'm super excited to be doing it in a group format. There's it's an application process. So that's what opens Monday and I take five people at early bird pricing and then Five more slots, and I'll probably open it a couple times throughout the year and do this as a group. I'm so excited, you know.
1: That's awesome. Groups, group momentum can be so helpful. Just the energy. I don't know about you. I definitely, well, you, you seem pretty extroverted. Are you an extrovert, Jake?
2: We know the answer here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> um, I get so much energy sometimes from other people, and it, it really can be help you know it's like you can borrow from their momentum and then you feel energized and then you just go so that's awesome that's super awesome well i'm excited for you and i yeah. had a thought when you were talking about i think it was the it's not the commitment to just one step it's that you're committed almost to being committed to yourself and i was wondering if you could talk about that cuz i've heard it from the other end of the spectrum too and i don't mean to go on a big rabbit trail about working with medical practitioners, it's just it sparked this thought of mm-hmm. how how do we become empowered and committed to ourselves where we're active agents, where we are we feel like we're in charge of our lives and of our health care versus yep. just, oh, you you tell me how to live my life, right? which
2: I think so many of us do or have done for so long. I mean, especially when we're just in that place of desperation, and we've tried years of treatments and so many things that haven't worked. It's like, please just tell me what to do. Like, I will do anything. I think we imagine that, like, the doctor is the boss in those situations, and we just do whatever they say. Well, what needs to happen in this phase is you need to become the CEO and the boss of your healing. Like, you are the boss of your healing. You know your body best. You are the one in charge. And to understand that practitioners, they play a crucial role in that, but they're not the boss, right? You're... Hiring them, you're employing them as part of this initiative of your healing, right? And if they're not cutting it, you can fire them, just like if you're the CEO of any other business and they're not cutting it. And it's nothing against them or if you have an employee that doesn't work, right? It's just like finding what works for you. But in order to do that, you have to realize you have to be the boss. So we moved to Austin not that long ago and I visited like a little while ago. And so I finally got like my care set up here. And on the first appointment I had with this practitioner, she said to me, she was like, listen, you're the one in charge here. You know your body best. Like, At the end of the day, my job is provide you with information and recommendations so you could figure out what you need to do. And I was like, whoa, like, hold on. I literally stopped her in the middle of the appointment. I was like, I have to tell you how meaningful that is to hear that. You know, in 15 years of chronic illness, I have not really heard that from very many practitioners, if any. And it really means a lot. I appreciate it you know, now I'm at a point where like, I'm already, I I already understand how those dynamic work. And honestly, I think part of that was that recommendation phase, the way that I showed up to the first appointment, the case overview that I sent her positioned it in that way, you know? So I think a big part of it is becoming the boss of your own healing. And I think another big part of it is letting go, like being able to let go of what doesn't support you in that journey. And that's also something that's really hard, but that is important and can be done for sure. And I've like played around with so many different techniques, you know, like whether it's emotional or mental or even physical different ways of like cutting ties with things, you know.
1: How do you identify what to let go of? Ooh,
2: that is a good question, right? Because a lot of the times there's things that disguise themselves as this is supporting me, you know, or it'll come across as like, we have your best interest in in mine. That goes back to that hunt phase of like, It's basically if you imagine like an FM dial radio, like you might be tuned in between the two stations where like you're getting a lot of noise and it's like hard to tell, and and maybe one station is kind of coming through and that's the one that's telling you like this is gonna work for you, so you kind of go that way. Like that's why it's important. Like know before you get to that recommendation phase and you start taking on information about what you should do, you gotta get that dial right locked into like what is your body telling you. That's something that like. I mean, all of this is kind of like a lifelong process and stuff that I still work on every single day, every single day, right before this call. I told you I needed two minutes. I was a little hectic. I just had to get grounded. And I took two minutes to just do a visualization and a grounding. I do that all the time. And that's so I can put that dial back onto my intuition and be super clear on like, what do I need? And that helps me notice, okay, actually, this might not be something that's helping and I need to let go of it. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, Jake, there's so much here. And I also (laughs) really, really want to make sure that we get to talking about expanding possibilities and looking at limitations and like reconciling all of that. Because you shared something months ago and I went, ooh, let's talk about this. So I want to make sure we have time for it. Okay. So super open-ended because I think you can handle it. Do you have any initial thoughts on that before I dive into more specific questions? Like, what do you think of when you think of possibilities and limitations and how to is it a harmony is it a conflict like what is it to you what do those words bring up
2: i think limitations crush possibilities they could limit your possibilities but i think there there is a harmony right like with all of this stuff there has to be a balance but for me it's like for so long the limitations didn't even allow me to entertain possibilities. Like, I was just like, this is my reality. Like, I can't work right now. You know, I can't I can't do XYZ right now. Like, I'm healing. This is what I'm doing. But it wasn't true healing, you know, because I wasn't really moving forward. I was stuck in that place of constant limitation. I was not able to do more. And my possibilities, like, the longer you're in that space, how you imagine your possibilities and dream kind of can start to dwindle, right? So I think, like, the starting place is visualizing your possibilities cuz like if you can't even imagine what you want to be doing or you're capable of, it's going to be pretty unlikely that you can actually make it happen. And I think for so many of us who have just been sick for so long, even starting there, like let me start to imagine what would my life be like if I woke up tomorrow and I felt good. Like that that's a really good place to start, and I encourage people to aim high, like shoot for the stars, really. And then Okay. now let's take into account your limitations and let's be a little more nuanced and create a situation that honors your limitations, but still allows you to work towards new possibilities.
1: Absolutely. And and I feel like this, I'm really grateful to hear you talk about this because I've been thinking about it so much. Possibilities is actually my my word for the year. So I've really Uh, been thinking about it, uh, Jake, okay? So, and I feel like the conversation is different depending on this stage of your healing journey that you're in, right? Because if you're super early and you're super limited because of physical barriers that Mm -hmm. are a current reality, then there's, okay, well, this is the current reality. How do I grieve that, honor that? Mm -hmm. And go through the grief process that's necessary and also still hold hope for what's best in this moment, what's possible in this moment, and then what could be possible to hope for in the future. And then, for example, if someone's later in their journey, or maybe they're in remission or they're maybe not in remission yet, but they're experiencing a a much easier quality of life, possibilities look totally different.
2: Totally. Totally. When you just said that, you know, my, my mind, the first thing my mind went to is that sounds like a lot, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like just like to be able to do that all The, the example you gave of early in your journey and like honoring where you're at and all, it sounds like a lot, which is just funny because like, this is what I coach people through. And now I'm on the other end of you saying, I'm like, honestly, Patricia, that just sounds like a lot. Like I'm exhausted. Like, I could just, and I could imagine the people who are newly diagnosed or overwhelmed or who are just like, uh, okay, <laughs> like, you're crazy. But the thing is, it's it's true, and I think we don't talk about this enough to even have it out there to know that this is possible. And how amazing would it be, back to the first thing you said of what are things you wish you known, I wish when I got a diagnosis that a doctor sat me down or a coach sat me down and said some of this stuff and was like, listen, like... It's not going to be easy. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be various phases of what you're capable of and your limitations. But this doesn't end your life. And you could still dream and you could still create a life that you want within this. Like, can you? I mean, I'm laughing thinking about a doctor saying that when I'm like, you know, 15 years ago, like starting this journey. But yeah, people need to know that's possible. Agreed? Mm
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it depends on the doctor. To me, that doesn't make me giggle. I feel like I've been fortunate enough to have doctors that occasionally give these gems of wisdom that you're like, "Oh shoot, my doctor's also a life coach." And I wish, I wish yeah. everyone had
2: a doctor that was like a life coach. Same, same, same. And I mean, that's kind of what happened to me with my practitioner here. I was just like, "Wow, like, thank you. This is amazing." You know. So it's not to it's yeah. not to say it doesn't exist. Okay, should we dig a, a little deeper? Especially so. This is the word of the year for you. What else have you been like? has been floating around in your head surrounding this.
1: Oh gosh. I have so many thoughts on this Jake. We might need to do another episode on this. Like just on this That's fine. Um,
2: Or we could hop on a live too and just talk about this subject in particular. I don't
1: know. Yeah, whatever. Because I want to keep today about you really and and it's not about me. (laughs) Okay. Well I'll give you a really brief thing. It's like I am sitting with this. And of course, if I'm thinking just about myself and my word for the year, it really is about what's best for me in this moment. And it doesn't need to be about how does that apply to everyone else? Right. Because it's so individualized. And so there's a part of me that goes, okay, this is my experience. And it may not be super relevant for someone listening to this podcast, because I was telling you offline, I'm in what I'm calling remission ish, right? I just got my labs redone. I came back indefinite and negative on everything. No clear positives. Which is major progress, right? And I feel better. It's it's not just on paper. It's like I feel good, right? And I have so much more mental clarity and physical energy, and and I realize that for someone listening, thank you, thank you.
2: It's awesome to see.
1: Yeah, and someone listening, they may not feel that way, and I, you know, I, and I want to honor that. Like, if 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 you're listening and you're struggling, like, yeah, I hope that this is an example of hope that you could be here too someday, and not frustration of comparison that you're not there yet. And so what do possibilities look like for me today? Well, it looked very different five years ago when I was going, oh my gosh, I feel awful and can barely roll out of bed. I can barely make food. I can barely <laughs> even shower, right? Everything was so hard. Yeah. And so when a well-meaning professor might say, oh, well, you need to just think positive and and dream big and live your life as though Lyme isn't doesn't exist. It's like that's not real. That's not. That's literally living a lie. Like I can't like that's I hope to be in remission someday and also like what if I'm not? How do I make the most of my life today and the life that I could have in 10 years, right? So that's really real and I'm struggling with how to communicate that and hold that space for someone else and looking at well I'm doing great today or at least on the upward slope and what does it look like to have possibilities again? And so Thinking about more possibilities for a career and for finances and for starting a family a few years down the line, and like being able to even just run a household, right? Because I, you know, you know, chronic illness life. How do I even do my hey, dishes? Dishes, smoke?
2: yeah, and laundry in the same there. Oh them. no, no, no!
1: no. <laughs> I used to literally, Jake. I used to in college. I would strip my sheets and wash them, and then by the time they were dry, I didn't have the energy to re put them back on the bed. So I would sleep on the floor for days. And then Ooh. I would remake the bed.
2: I was going to say I've been there. Maybe not for days, but I, I, I relate, you know. <laughs> I feel
1: like a couple days in a sleeping bag, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I feel you. It, that struggle is real.
1: Yeah. And and so to be now training for a Spartan race, possibilities. I mean, yeah. that is a different life. It's a different body.
2: Yeah. Have you shared that on this podcast happening? No. no. Okay. Well, just to get everyone up to speed, because yeah because just told me this like right before it started that you're training for a spartan race
1: yeah i'm pumped
2: i mean that's insane like that that is the example where like when you're struggling and you listen to this and you hear that you're like what that's possible but you said something really important that like not to get caught up in the frustration of comparison i think that is so important like and another topic that we don't talk enough about comparison right like All of us in this space, we are on our own journeys, our own timelines, right? Like it does not matter what rate Patricia and I are are moving at or what we're doing. What matters is where you're at. And when you're talking about possibilities and limitations, one thing to drive it back to that is just like knowing how to create a vision so you can dream and you could imagine where your life could be. You listen to this and say, wow, maybe one day I can run a Spartan race and you could hope for things. But then to also learn how to go from a vision to not just any goals, but attainable goals that are measurable and time-specific, smart goals if you want in the business world, right? And then from there, create action steps. Daily action steps. Like, you should have two to three things that you can do in this moment, like in this next hour, you know? And those small action steps are the things that honor your current limitations, but slowly make you work towards possibilities, right? And it's like, that's a big part of what we do is we go from a vision down to a goal to actual action steps. And then there's all sorts of stuff you could do to help besides just coming up with action steps in terms of overcoming fears, getting into action, programming your reticular activating system to help you with all this stuff that can help you take those daily steps forward. You know, so number one, have got to reiterate, comparison kills joy. Comparison can really be dangerous for me because comparison's natural. Like the number one comparison that I would use is I'm worse than some, I'm better than others. You know what I mean? Like I tried to avoid comparison, but it's pretty much impossible now. Anytime you hop on Instagram and you see, you know, Karen like living her best life, Todd's like at the gym getting ripped, like <laughs> whatever it is, you know, you're gonna compare yourself, right? So When that happens, not if, but when it happens, remind yourself, I'm worse than some, I'm better than others. It just kind of helps you bring it back to the present moment and like, okay, maybe I'm not where I want to be, but hopefully I'm better than I was yesterday. And then number two, to have like, be able to have small action steps that you can do every day. And if you're in that phase where you can't do a round of laundry and dry it, like those action steps might be, you know, find somebody who could dry the laundry while you rest. (laughs) Or it could be after you're done, you know, the wash load, go back and do X, Y, Z that you know is going to help you recharge, you know, I mean, they don't need to be big, like grandiose things, like really small steps are crucial.
1: What would be an example if someone, I'm thinking about reverse engineering, right? Because I'm yeah. thinking about possibilities. I think about vision, like what, what do I dream of? And then at the same time, I, I love, I, I have something that's kind of like that on my, billboard here right now that's I call it my blueprint for success and it it changes all the time right I'm learning Mm -hmm. to constantly go well what works today okay test it out maybe in two weeks we'll change it right cool so right now it says for example morning routine is meditate and do light therapy or have a dance party
2: love it yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and then there are a couple other things throughout the day like it's like stretch or do the foam roll and there, you know, there are a few things, but it's like a rough outline to this is what a good day looks like for me in this season, right? So what's an example of of that for you or someone or like a profile of someone that you've seen?
2: Okay, the number one switch to make there in my mind would be to focus less on like the actual task and to focus more on the feeling. Mm. What does it feel like for you to have Achieved a daily flow and a routine where you feel energized and in touch with your creativity and joy. What does it feel like after a month of doing that, right? What does it feel like to be six months down the road to the point where that's just part of your life and you don't even think about it? And now you're creating career opportunities surrounding being creative and bringing joy, you know, whether that's your play or whatever it is. Like, so because basically what happens is, like, when we focus on feelings, And when we focus on them in a way as if they've already happened, our brain doesn't know the difference between the fact that we're in the current state where that hasn't happened. And then basically it helps you bridge that gap between where you're at and where you want to be. So I, when I do visualization work, like I really focus on feelings. Like what would it feel like for you to have a career that you're fully aligned with and you're like truly using all your abilities, you know, and making an impact on people write those feelings down and like, Go to a space like, are you on stage or are you in an office? You know, what clothes are you wearing? You know, what do you smell in that space? What do you hear? Like engage all your senses and try to visualize a moment and feeling of that and then drill that in your brain, visualize it every single day. And then after that, write an affirmation as if it's already happened and then break down an action step that you can do today. A simple thing that you could do today that'll get you just a tad bit closer to it. What's happening? Like, what are you thinking about now?
1: I'm thinking about so many things. <laughs> Can you see it on my face?
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the tricky thing about audio, right? So we see each other and people listening will not see, will not see the facial expression.
2: But like Patricia is deep in thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that there is a thinking face happening. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I'm also curious what it looks like for you. Like you are getting married soon. I don't know if you've set a date yet.
2: Yeah, we do. <laughs> Haven't okay. announced it on a podcast, but we do. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. So what's it like? And it doesn't it could be about starting a home and a, and that marriage or it could be something else. Just, you know, the life that you're building, right. That maybe I don't want to form too many judgments, but I'm, if you're anything like I was a few years ago, I had doubts that I'd ever be able to have those things.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, when I met my now fiance, I definitely said, listen, I can barely take care of myself. I don't know how I could be in a relationship. If you're listening right now, put your hands up if you said that. You know what I'm saying? If you're in the chat, drop an emoji. Like, I mean, like, that's real. That is real. And yeah, I'm just like going back to that space for a sec. it's rough, right? Like, um, and now I'm having some major brain fog. What are you asking about?
1: Yeah. No, just like what's, yeah. it, what's it like yeah. for you to hold the space yes. of possibilities and limitations as you embark into this next chapter? Whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your life, the wins and the oh my gosh, this is what we're this is what we're doing, and then also holding whatever you're doing treatment wise that you feel comfortable sharing.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, my fiance Jess, has had a massive role in this journey, and and we met at like a really pivotal time when I was really just doing crazy treatments and just trying everything I could imagine. And actually three months into less than three months into us dating, I finally had the chance to go to this clinic in Switzerland that like, I had wanted to go to for years because everybody was telling me no, like, this is what's going to get you well. And I personally knew people that came back from it, like and reached remission and were just functioning and living life. And I finally went to this. And the second day I was there, Trump announced the travel ban. And so I did a bunch of treatments which was a horrible idea, put my body in shock and detox mode and then flew home <laughs> and made the decision to move in with her. And we moved into this studio apartment after just about 3 months of dating and that put the whole relationship on fast forward and especially cuz I hit rock bottom then. Like I was like especially from a neurological standpoint, I was not functioning. Like it took I was 6 hours out of the day not able to communicate just meditating and journaling and just like trying not to completely collapsed <laughs> you know like and just to backtrack a little when we met we actually met on a dating app I shared my situation with her right off the bat and was like hey this is the situation take it or leave it and the way she responded I was like she's the one like she was like okay so like and just saw me for who I was not the illness and that was huge and I was part of this transformation of where I'm at now when fast forward to that moment where I come back and we're living together and I'm barely functioning. It was like a really slow build from there back towards functioning. But during that phase, like she helped me see what wasn't and was helping me actually. And she helped me turn that dial back into my body. And... Just start to take control of my life. Like, stop asking other people what I should be doing and searching for answers and letting other people control my health and my happiness. And a lot of that was her leading by example, honestly. Like, that's how she lived her life. And I was able to witness it. And I was just like, I want to live like that and I started to just like take more control of my health and my healing and my happiness and make my own decisions and we began making our own decisions as a team you know and I just feel like since then like we haven't looked back and it's been like there's just been no doubts or any questions and everything that we face since then whether it's from health anything is just like all right we got this and I didn't believe that was possible at the time she helped me see that and I also now, being on the other side of that, do a lot of work to help other people realize that you're so much more than your illness, and you have so much to offer in terms of relationship. And the idea that like because of the limitations that you're in, that the possibility to tie back to your thing of a relationship isn't viable, you just have the wrong idea of a relationship, which unfortunately is a lot of relationships. They can be draining that's what I thought. So I was like, if we're in a relationship, it's going to take my energy. And that's not true. It's additive and it's supportive. We fulfill each other. We fill each other's cups, you know, and a lot, a lot has changed since then, since March of 2020, I guess it was, you know, and reaching a place of being able to function and being in a successful long-term relationship, like, moving cross country, uh, moving in with my parents to save money, finally moving to Texas, getting engaged, like, building, you know, a home of our own, like, launching my company and helping other people do the same. It's just, like, I think if I had talked to myself five years ago, or even, you know, maybe before 2020, 2019, I wouldn't have been able to imagine any of that, right? Or viewed any of that as a possibility. And now I'm just like, And even then in 2019, when I was like really struggling, I was maybe the most miserable I'd been symptom-wise, but I was still kind of experiencing like the most gratitude I had at the time and was doing so much work around that. But now blows it out of the water. Every single day I wake up. And I'm not like you asked about treatments too. We could talk as much as you'd like about this or not, but like I still have symptoms, you know? I still deal with stuff, but it doesn't control me. And I still like I may wake up and feel shitty and feel some joint pain or whatever it is. But then I'm able to just like feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude and purpose that just radiates out of me and like into our lives. And it's just insane. Like, I can't tell you how many times a day I'm just like, I'm so grateful for you. And I just feel so grateful. Like we express it out loud so many times every day. And yeah, I just couldn't be more grateful. You know, it's just, it's amazing. And then to be able to empower other people to live this way is just like, it's just great you know
1: yeah that sounds like an incredible woman
2: yeah that's an understatement she really is and so and she works from home too she runs her own company and we both work from home and it's just like we have created the life we want you know it's not there are no limitations because we're in control and we're creating it you know and it's not to say there's not challenges but because of how we navigate them it's like Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. And so her working from home and us, like we really create our schedules. I don't take any client calls before 12. I focus entirely on self-care. Like my morning into afternoon is all the stuff I need to do to prioritize my wellness, to fill my cup or for us to spend quality time together, you know? And that's just one of the many examples of like how as a team we work to support each other and prioritize each other's wellness so we could be in a position to give to others, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I love that too, by the way, I'm big on creating the schedule that works for you, right. Yeah. And designing your life to be the schedule that works for you. So you'd mentioned how I asked about treatments and mm. I should clarify what I, because a lot of people want to talk about treatments and I love to focus more on the emotional side of it and the mindset and how to build community and resources and all of that. And yeah. I really appreciate your vulnerability in all of this, because I think this is a really hard topic. Yeah. So I'm like I'm nervous
2: curious. right now. But you're nervous? Yeah, but that's okay. Like the thing that I realize about vulnerabilities, it never gets easier. We just get better at dealing with discomfort. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you feel comfortable answering, how do you assess? Because I, I think limitations ultimately they help us determine boundaries, right? We figure out, or we okay, you're just you have the disagreeing face. Feel free I'm to. Put into, I'm right. putting
2: the like this emoji, like turning my head so side, I sideways, kind of thinking with like the L on my chin face. I use that one a lot. Hmm. Uh, you just said limitations dictate boundaries.
1: Well, it's like sometimes limitations, real or perceived. There's a difference there, so I realize it's a little. Okay. It's, the logic's a little faulty. But like, if it's like a limitation that you physically, like, it is a current reality that cannot be changed in this moment. Yeah. It's like, how do, you know, in a way, you know, it's like, okay, well, boundaries are important to any healthy human, right? So how do I create healthy boundaries around limitations? It's yeah. just, it's such a to me, it's such a challenging topic. So it's like, how do I assess the edges or the boundaries and uh-huh. in, in a way that honors my rest and recovery and growth to make the future possibilities
2: Ooh, yeah. achievable? Okay. Yeah, this is really good. I mean, the thing, once again, this comes back to that hunt phase and the radio, just because it's like, if you don't understand where that limitation is and what you need to rest, then it's going to be hard to set a boundary. The number one thing that I notice about boundaries is that you have to communicate, like we're talking about setting boundaries with yourself and with other people, and whether it's with yourself, honestly, but especially with other people, you have to communicate why that boundary is being set. Not just here's the boundary, but why. And why it's important for you, you know, and what it will allow you to do. Those are important things to consider when you're setting boundaries. This thing in terms of like the boundaries around the type of rest that you need in any given moment is something that I'm still constantly wrestling with, especially just because like after I just described to you where I'm at in my life, it's so exciting. Like there's nothing more than I want to do than to get up and to work. But I, that's not what I need. There's a big difference between what you want and what you need when it comes to boundaries, right? And so, like, understanding I really wanna go, or I wanna go run three miles right now, or I really wanna go hop on a client call right now, but what I need is 30 minutes of stretching, you know, and just to chill the F out, right? Like, um, <laughs> the other thing that I notice about that is even if you set those boundaries, or even once you set those boundaries, especially as it pertains to rest, is that so many of us, and for me for so long, like when you go to rest, you don't recharge. It's almost like, yeah, it's such an important distinction, right? And it's almost like if you have your phone, I'm holding up my phone now, like rest would be like, I'm not actively using this right now, so I'm not draining the battery. It's good. It's resting. It's resting right here on my computer, right? But plugging it in, is different. That turns the battery up, right? And recharges it. So a lot of us, when we go to rest and... When I used to go to rest, I would quote unquote be resting. I'd do something that is typically restful. I'd be laying in bed or reading a book or watching TV or whatever it is. But like my mind would be racing, right? And not present. And like my body would actually be in fight or flight and not in, you know, a healing restful state. And so like, not only is it important to set those boundaries, but it's like all about managing your energy where you have a good return on it. And like, if you're going to go to rest, and set boundaries, like, hey, I need to rest. <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've set boundaries with jessamine like, yeah, you know, like, okay, I need this, like, and this is this is why I need this. And then even at that point, it can be hard for me to go do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so there's there's like a couple things happening there. I don't know. I feel like I just said a lot of stuff. What landed? What do you want to?
1: It was brilliant. That was, it, okay. and it's it's so. I I was actually thinking, Jake, this is one of the best interviews I've had for a podcast. So, kudos to you. Thank you,
2: uh,
1: and to us, dream team. All right,
2: virtual high yeah.
1: five, fam. Yeah, bam, bam. Okay, I was also <laughs> thinking about. I'm Not sorry, like part of the love fest over here. I just <laughs> <laughs> or hype fest. That's better.
2: As long as it's not fire fest.
1: Ooh. Oh yeah, let's, let's <laughs> not. I was thinking about too. How do you balance? This is a question I'm asking myself right now. How do I balance challenging myself enough and also resting and recovering enough.
2: Oh, especially while you're training,
1: right? Because for example, when I was in hardcore healing mode, that looked different, right? Because it was learn to rest. And remember that rest is the job, right? right? And I don't need to achieve anything else. And that was the right thing for me then. And maybe others would push back and disagree like, oh, well, you need to be doing this and this. It's like, no, 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 actually, I just need to to be right, yep. and and now now that I'm so much physically healthier, and I'm I actually started to get bored.
2: There you never... go. Hmm? That's just such a it's just such a pivotal moment because I remember that too. Like prior to that moment, resting and like doing self care was never boring, and I was never like I'm bored. I want to do something. I was like, this is taking all my energy and time.
1: Yeah, it's a huge switch, and I went, oh my gosh, I finally resonate with what a bunch of super able-bodied people said to me that felt very shaming when I was sick. So I don't mean this to reinforce it. I just went, oh my gosh, I understand now the question, well, what do you do all day? I was like, well, I, I rest and I heal and I take care of myself. And they're like, but what do you do when you're not doing that or going to the doctor? I was like, no, that's what I do. No,
2: that's the I'm full-time like, oh job. Gosh,
1: that is a full-time job. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is no longer a full-time job. And now I have energy and time. What am I going to do with it? I feel bored and not challenged enough. And so it's, okay, how do I challenge myself so that I'm engaged intellectually and physically and growing and not overdo it as the type A person that can, so that that doesn't kick in and sabotage the progress and cause a relapse or a backslide, right? So it's like, how do I hold being challenged enough and recovering enough, especially while training for a Spartan race? right? It's
2: a lot. It's a lot. First of all, I'm just so happy to hear that, Patricia. Like, I'm so happy that you're in that space. Yeah, it just warms my heart. And just the same thing, like, you know, we don't intend this to shame anybody who's still in the space where resting is a full-time job. Like, if anything, like, celebrate the fact that you're giving yourself that because it's what you need and it might be what's going to get you to a place like this, you know? but more so as hope that like this is possible because I didn't think this was possible. And the same thing, you know, none of my friends really got it and they were like, well, yeah, well, what are you doing all day? You don't need five hours to get ready to go grab a coffee. It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, and I'm probably not going to make it. I'm going to cancel. <laughs> I
1: laugh because yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so entering this new phase and maybe you and I could talk about this another time, to be honest because there's a lot here, but of like, challenging yourself. But also, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel it was not that long ago when I was right there. And a lot of it is kind of experimentation. But I think it's the level of awareness and the mindset that you do around it. Like, in this phase, there's no right answer of like, an hour of training is enough or an hour of training is too much. Like, once again, like you're only you're the only one who's going to know that. So like during this phase, it's just like really exploratory and experimental of trying things. But when you try them, of being very mindful of like how you're doing before, during and after and giving yourself the mindset that balances the possibilities with the limitations. It's like, I'm training for a Spartan and I want to do this, but like if I need an extra rest day, that's okay. Like still giving yourself what you know you need And I feel like that was me about a year ago with physical activity in particular. Like, I just wanted to get back to being physical again. And I kept overshooting it. Like, I would go for a run and I just get so excited in the run that, like, there would be a moment where my body would be, like, telling me, okay, that's enough. And I would just be feeling so good that I'd keep running. And then, you know, that's a week of rest. Now, I'm at a point where, like, I'm working out five or six days a week. That's the first time that's happened since i don't even know when maybe like before college or during college or something i can't even remember and so a lot of it was exploring trying new things but being aware of when that moment happens and like giving myself the grace to pull back and once again it's like with the small action steps like i would much rather just run half a mile today and walk the rest if i know that tomorrow i can work out again you know and actually get another half mile in like do it again the next day, you know? So uh, does that give you something to think about or resonate like in terms of the training?
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I resonate too with this idea of you try it. I don't know if those are the words you used, but it's the idea of testing, right? You you test it out and then you modify if it does or doesn't work, right? Like, oh, more of this or nope, nope, nope. We definitely need something else. Right. Like,
2: right. And just making sure the voice that's telling you this is right or not is coming from a place of need, not want, you know, and it's coming from your true intuition, not the type A, not the the false sense of identity that you're trying to create based on doing X, Y, Z, like, and not comparing it to anybody else. That's another part, like, man, when I see, you know, the run club that I used to be part of doing their runs, like, there's nothing more that I wanted than to be part of that. But like, I can't get caught up in that. I just have to be proud that I did a half mile run today. Like that's, I couldn't do that last year, you know? So, and one thing that helps me with that is number one, like getting grounded every day. Like, it sounds like you have a routine, you know, like before I go to do any physical activity, just making sure I'm like in touch with my body and then having like an opportunity to celebrate all of the progress. Like, even if that's resting for a day, I have like an ongoing celebration sheet and I'll just, I constantly add to it. And then it's really helpful to look back on that on the days where, like, you can't do it or you pushed it too much and you look back and you kind of see, oh, well, this day I was able to listen to my body and I was able to do this much or this day I had to rest, but I gave myself that rest and I was able to be back the next day, you know.
1: How did you learn to tap into your intuition?
2: Uh, I think we're about... At time, so I got to go. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I'm just... oh, I was actually, okay, you're joking. I was like,
1: I would have taken that as a valid answer because we actually
2: are yeah. running uh, over. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh I'm like half joking. I did notice the clock. I realized we do have to wrap it up in a little, but I mean, wow. it's just such a good question. And like, we could probably do another episode or two on that. And it's just like, also with a lot of this sort of stuff, like what I realize is there's like, w- this is not new. We're not like, You and I are not, like, the first people to realize the tap into our intuition. Like, Mm -hmm. these sort of mindsets, like, awarenesses, like, abilities have been around for so long. If anything, like, Western culture is a little bit new to it, right? But, like, it's been around for a long time. And it's also become very popular now and has been labeled all sorts of different things, you know. What's important to me is, like, not to get caught up in any of that and to know, like, that... This sort of stuff is different for everybody and you have to just find what works for you, right? That's actually why I've enjoyed the one-on-one coaching so much because it allows for that experimentation and play where it's like, okay, yes, we know meditation helps you quiet the mental chatter and tap into existing, you know, and your intuition, but maybe meditation doesn't work for you. So here's three or four other different approaches and just go try it you know, the only failure is in action in these situations, like go try it and bring it back and say, Hey, this sucked. I didn't like it. Or, Hey, this really worked. And I like really was able to get calm and, or, you know, I had to move while I was doing it, you know, and, and dance, like whatever it is, you know? So I just think it's important. We could, I mean, it's something we could talk about way more. Oh, wait, the question was, how did I do it though?
1: Mm-hmm. Or how did you start really?
2: Well, once again, I think it was like something that I've actually been cultivating for a very long time, but it was bringing awareness to it and to know like this is a skill set that just like any skill set, if you just continue to practice or almost like building a new muscle or learning a new language, the approach that I had to take was to put the exercises in every day, to learn the new vocabulary, to do the grammar exercises, to get on the ground and do push ups metaphorically, right? Because the idea is like if I do that every day, I'll get strong enough to the point that let's say I end up in a hairy situation and I need to defend myself or I need to speak that language to get out of it. I don't have to think about it. I just have that strength. I have that muscle and I just use it. So that's the approach that I had to take and that I take with my clients is consistent daily reps of whatever it is that works for you to help you quiet the noise and tap in. And know that it's like a muscle and just keep building it. And it's a skill set and a muscle that gets stronger. And if you keep doing that consistently, it gets to the point that like, you'll be able to use it without even really having to think about it. It'll become second nature, you know? Hmm.
1: Wow. Okay. I have one bonus question for you before we close out. Are you up okay. for an extra credit question? Yeah, of course. Okay. Of it's, course. It's, it's a follow up to the intuition one. Do you feel like it comes and goes in waves of being more connected or less connected?
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. One thing that I've been doing recently, and I've just now begun like sharing with my clients to see how they respond to it is like mini retreats. And I'll do like a mini retreat for myself. And I noticed like you were setting boundaries around social media. I think mainly it starts with like being overwhelmed by social media, but that's just a symptom of the main problem, right? I'll do a mini retreat for 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it is, where I will just hit the pause and like, go inward and quiet everything and just like read and journal and stretch and meditate and just like not be stimulated. And I created like a guide for myself to do it. I set my intentions before it, I cleaned the whole space and set it up. So, you know, I don't have to worry about anything extra like I have like, the preparations, the intentions, and then here's some potential activities to do, like where you can, I could play with joy or fear and everything. And what's interesting about it is like when I went to go do it, it was because I wanted to tap more into my intuition, but mainly I wanted to like recharge. I was just feeling drained. I was feeling overwhelmed and just like not aligned. And the first time that I did it, I'm not going to lie, it kind of sucked. Like it was not an enjoyable experience, but it worked. Because I came out of it way more tapped into my intuition and just more aligned with, you know, who I am, what I want to be doing, my values, what I believe in, my vision, all of that in the course of like 24 hours. Like it was like a massive reset. It sucked because you have to sit with the pain and the fear and like it forces you to slow down and address the things that aren't comfortable to deal with. And that we're on Instagram all the time because we're just distracting ourselves from them. So I had to stare it in the face, you know. But it helped me tap back into that, just to answer your question of like, are there times that you're more connected? And so when I'm not connected, there's usually like a little period where like, I kind of know I'm not connected, but I'm just like distracting myself mindlessly. And then I'm like, okay, I've had enough, like, it's time to get back and I'll do a mini retreat. And so I've just actually started sharing that with my class, I would be really interested just to send it to you and see your thoughts on it, you know?
1: (laughs) Wow, wow. I would love that. Actually, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because I've I've never hosted an official mini retreat for myself, except I'm actually thinking right now about organizing my own silent retreat. Love Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And it's cool to know that you do retreats for yourself because I've only gone to a retreat someone else organized. I went, no, no, what if I just facilitated one for me? (laughs) If some friends want to come, great, but I'm doing it for me, right?
2: I mean, you'd be surprised. Like (laughs) Beyonce laughs at it. Like I have a note out on the counter with some incense on top of it. That's like Happy Retreat Day. Like I do like (laughs) ridiculous stuff like that. I love it. And I have all of it listed. I'll share with you. Like
1: okay, okay, I'm pumped. This is good. Well, this is a great place to put a pause. Just talk to you later because there's so much more. But this was a lot of really great stuff for today, Jake. Such a joy talking to you always. Always. Where can listeners talk to you? I'm going to say, go hit you up on Instagram. Where though is the best place to reach you?
2: That's the best spot at Jake Mayers Coaching, J-A-K-E-M-A-Y-E-R-S, the word coaching. And that's also my website, Jake Coaching at gmail.com. That's the best place. And just know you're not alone. Like, I get it. I, you could tell from this, I've been through the worst of this and I've dedicated my life and my work now to helping you through it you know so if you're out there struggling like reach out you have nothing to lose to reach out and if it's not me that could help you I'll do my best to pass you to somebody else who can you know there's like becoming more and more of us in this space which is super exciting of helping people through this journey and it's much needed so that's where you can find me definitely reach out thank you so much Patricia like I feel like we always have such great little exchanges, but they're like exactly that. They're kind of little. There's only so much you could fit in a couple of voice notes, you know, and it was really a treat to like go a little deeper. Definitely look forward to hopefully doing it again sometime soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Jake, for your wealth of knowledge and wisdom and, and fun. This was playful and, and it was deep. Awesome. It was all it was all the things. All right. Virtual high 10. Boom. And high 10 to our listeners. High 20.
2: Love. It. Put them up, y'all.
0: <laughs> many thanks once again to our guests and to you our listeners for joining us it means so much to us to share this time with you and we hope it gave you a boost of strength and encouragement to keep going no matter where you are knowing that you certainly are not alone to learn more about ride out Lime and the in it together podcast please visit www.rightoutline.org. We love hearing from you. Please also follow us and leave a review so we can keep providing episodes that best support you. Until next time, hold on to the very real hope that there is a way and we will keep finding it together.